Welcome to the Patron Drive. This is a special bonus episode just to say thanks. Thanks for listening, and it's also to tell you about Patreon. It's our annual Patron Drive. When you become a Tizitor, that's my special name for people who join the Patreon, you get episodes ad-free and early. Uh, special bonuses, like you can actually get to see the video of me recording with the interviews with our guests when we play the quick quiz every week. And you get bonus stuff in the mail, like stickers and drink koozies. If you join at the producer level, that's $10 or more, you get even more bonuses and free stuff. Like, lately I've been I've been getting my um, live performances on the road on video and then sharing those with the gold level members, the producer level members. One of the fun things you get when you join Patreon, and you can join for just a dollar a month, is access to watch the web series I did called Joke Story Trick. Every week of the pandemic, I created a new live stream show with a special guest. We told jokes, we did magic tricks, taught magic tricks, covered some offbeat news stories, and had our guests tell stories. And it's those stories that I've collected here during the special Patron Drive episode. So if you enjoy those stories, there's so much more available on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Michael Kent to join today. It's a special Patron Drive, so now's the best time to join. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Our first story of this bonus episode was shared by a sitting United States congressman. Representative Mark Pocan is a congressman from Wisconsin, and he came on the show to share this amazing story. The show is Joke Story Trick, and I brought you on to tell a story. And so, Mark, I'm super excited to hear what you have to tell. I'm going to full screen you and let you take it away, sir. Sure. Well, this is a story about um, my favorite vacation, and I'm going to say vacation a little bit with... uh, my fingers moving. Um, so back in 1997, um, I, I first of all, I'm a big Jeep Wrangler aficionado. I'm on my fourth or fifth Jeep Wrangler that I've had throughout my life. And I've always been fascinated by a book, Polar Fever by Tim Cahill, where um, he did the world's record uh, traveling from Tierra de Fuego, Chile to uh, Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, down the complete Pan American Highway, like 18,600 miles. And but there's other stories. People have done it for six months, and it's a great adventure. And I always thought that would be great to do a Jeep ride of that. There's one 90-mile stretch, though, in Colombia and Panama where they've never completed the highway. And usually when you get to that point, you put your Jeep on a, a boat, and you take it around the Gulf, Gulf of Uruba, and then you continue uh, whatever direction you're going. That area is swampy 10 months of the year. It's got a lot of poisonous snakes, some remote tribes, and they've just never finished the highway. So, of course, my idea of a vacation was to hike that area first and then eventually try to do the Jeep trip, which I'll probably never have time to do. Long story short, the group of nine of us as the only North American were backpacking. Uh, we start at the Los Catillos National Park in Colombia. And uh, we know that this is an area where there's been a lot of guerrilla and paramilitary activity, but you know, this is where you start the trek. And we wake up the very first morning to gunfire and hand grenades. Oh um, my God. Paramilitaries are on the river, gorillas on the land behind us. We're in between in some cabins, and believe it or not, we're the only group in the national park besides the rangers and their families. So they come and tell us, get under your beds. (laughs) So we all get under the beds, but an hour and 15-minute firefight go on, and uh, it ends. The gorillas win control of the land, and for the next five days, we're detained by the park gorilla. Um, now there's a magic angle to this, like many of my stories. Uh, I spent five days doing magic tricks for gorillas. And <laughs> I think that kind of helped keep us out of a little trouble because generally um, you can be kidnapped and ransomed. You know, that happens quite often by groups in Colombia at the time, especially. 
Um, but uh, we had one woman giving them haircuts in our group. I was doing tricks. They gave us a half of a steer as they were moving through the, the jungle, essentially. And at day four, uh, a plane circled the park a few times and they must have knew that was the signal to go. So that night they took off, but then they came back to warn us um, because the paramilitaries were coming up the river. And the paramilitaries are the ones you really got to watch out for because they've been known to kill people and then later dress them in camouflage and say they're gorillas. But of oh course, my God. there's no corresponding holes between the uniforms and the body. So long story short, we do this for five days. The next day, uh, a boat comes and gets us. Uh, and we still decide we want to do the trek, though, because as a group, we took a vote. So for five days, we do this trek in incredibly, you know, remote jungle. I mean, making lean-tos every night, putting this powder around our camp to keep the snakes out, and uh, shooting an agouti, which is like a rodent, and smoking it in the morning. And the guy carried it on his back all day, and we ate it at night. Um, so we do this for five days. It was a fascinating trip. Saw people on the fifth day, got to a village that hadn't had visitors in a year. So they lost the key to their lock on the, the hut. And uh, that's where we stayed. It happened to be New Year's Eve. So they had a big celebration. They were burning a giant termite uh, a nest. We were dancing and drinking. They had a six pack of Coke, but a case of rum, which <laughs> seemed to be the right proportion. Um, and uh, we had a hell of a night uh, doing that. The next day, uh, we were going to go back towards Panama. And unfortunately, the road was washed out to the town we were supposed to go to. So we had a ride on top of a propane truck, the tubing, um, for about four hours to the nearest town. I think it was Maytatee. And we get there and they take us to the police station. And the police said they'll try to find a place for us to stay for the night on our way to Panama City to fly out. And uh, they couldn't find a place for us to stay. So they cleared out a jail cell um, and they said the men could stay in the jail cell uh, and the women could stay in the barracks with the soldiers. Um, we, we didn't like that idea. No. So we said we would all stay in the jail cell and we did. And this was a jail cell with a hole in the floor was the bathroom, oh, rather big bugs and critters. And uh, at the end of the day, and I'm giving you the short version, um, it was truly the best vacation I've ever been on. It was an <laughs> amazing trip. I learned about, you know, gorillas and paramilitaries. I got to experience all of this. Um, but, you know, uh, it's something that most people never get a chance to do and at least survive. So uh, for me, it was a really fascinating time in life. And uh, it showed me that once again, magic came through for me. Uh, it might have been one of the things that kept us. What a tool to have in your pocket. That is awesome. That is that is a fantastic and very scary story. Now, I've been I've been rewatching uh, Better Call Saul. I don't know if you've watched Better Call Saul, but it reminds me of something that would happen you know, except for you don't have, you know, Mike to come and save your butt at the end. Uh, you just have magic tricks. Yeah. I don't know if I would have been so bold to, I mean, I guess when you're in a, a situation that really truly feels like it's like a life and death situation, you use what you have and you, you have to be outgoing. Um, maybe these guys are just kidnapping people that they see, like have good skills. Like that woman probably knows how to cut hair. Let's, let's get her group. Well, our, our group leader was this woman who literally was like the female equivalent of Crocodile Dundee. She was from oh, awesome. Amsterdam. And she was hugging the female gorillas, you know, within, you know, minutes uh, of them coming up to us. And, um, you know, we got to know them too. One woman, she was really beautiful, one of the, the, the park gorilla, and her name was Venus, Venus, you know, how you say it in Spanish. Yeah. And she explained that her husband had been killed by the paramilitaries, so she wow. joined the gorillas. 
masks. And so we had like conversations, but you couldn't take out a camera or binoculars or anything they might steal is that they needed money, but you know, taking out coins and cards and other things like that and doing magic, they really enjoyed it. And they brought a That's lot amazing. of people to buy to see stuff. So, but it, it was an interesting way of, um, that's crazy. Just the idea of a of a female gorilla, people probably don't think of when they think of you know gorilla, a gorilla fighters. They, and not only that, but it, it reframes my whole idea of like if you said, okay, one of these teams has to be the good guy, one of these teams has to be the bad guy. I would have definitely had it reversed from the way that you explain it, you know. And I, I bet most people would. I helped form a sister city when I was in local government years ago in Columbia. So I knew about a little bit about the, the region and what was going on. But, you know, often, um, you know, the guerrillas were there with somewhat ideological means. It kind of depended on what part of the country. But the paramilitaries often were, you know, paid off by corporations to clear areas and often would clear out poor campesinos in areas that they wanted to put a banana plantation. Okay. So, you know, I knew a little bit about the dynamics and I think that helped. And the fact that that last night they came and warned us about the paramilitary, you know, we had the remaining families stay with us in our complex and we all stayed in one big room to sleep. And three of us stayed kind of watch that night and they never came in, but they went around our, you know, thing, just making sure everyone was gone, that they had their turf back. And that was the scariest time of the five days. But honestly, you know, with the gorillas, especially when you're doing magic, you know how it is, you get in the zone and you're having a great time and, it was very odd. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's I can't say I've ever been in a situation anywhere near that. I've never had to use magic to uh, save my life yet. That's that's one thing. Uh, now I've I, the worst I've I was I was once attacked while performing magic, but that was a drunk woman who just bit my finger. So that's a <laughs> it's a little bit of a different. Uh, danger, you know, it's not really the same. Once again, that was Mark Pocan, the United States representative from the state of Wisconsin, provided here as part of a patron drive. So if you want to hear more of that, you can do that now by joining Patreon and becoming a Tizitor. That's as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. I greatly appreciate your support in doing that. So I'm offering this special bonus episode as a thank you. Our next story comes from Jimmy Mack, who is a good friend of mine, and shared a story. But before he shared that story, he shared a couple bonus stories, one about a Mexican restaurant and one about something very funny that happened when we did a show together. I brought Jimmy on because Jimmy and I have already done a bunch of storytelling shows. I Before the show, during the pre-show party, Jimmy and I were talking, and I've probably got lists of 30 or more stories that we've told in these we do the we've done these storytelling shows called magic and stories right but then we also did ones called illusions michael that were like a arrested development themed show yeah. and we've told you've told stories about shadow box i've told stories about the road and so i was super excited to have you on well real quick if you don't mind yeah. i want to mention the uh the illusions michael show because it's one of my favorites because we had a person that came to that show and we showed three episodes of Arrested Development that highlighted oh. the magician. <laughs> this is a bonus and, story. And then afterwards, we did a Q&A <laughs> with the crowd. Uh, Michael did some tricks and uh, or illusions, I'm sorry. And, um, and afterwards, the girl <laughs> raised her hand and said, well, so what is it like to you? Like, how did you get to do that show and then come here and do this? Like, is it weird? Like, and we're trying to figure out, like, well, no, what do you like? And we're just talking to her. Like, I mean, finally, we realized that she thinks that he is Job from rest of development. She thought that I was Will Arnett. Yeah. 
and she was wondering why I looked different. But, but you know, if you only see someone on TV and then you see them in person like a year or two later, like, you know, they could look different. It's amazing. Like we never highlighted that or, t- or, or acted like that was part of the show. And she just she in her brain, you were Will Arnett in that night. We had literally just finished watching two episodes of Arrested Development <laughs> on a giant screen where Will Arnett was larger than I was in person. Yeah. And her takeaway was, yeah, same guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my god that was amazing yeah, that was, oh, that was she, still, she still comes to shadow box once in a while and when i see her she mentions that every single time every single time and the i think i actually didn't i will arnett i think i pulled a five dollar bill out of my pocket and handed to her because i felt so bad that she paid five dollars <laughs> to to meet the guy from arrested development and instead just local magician Right. Who yeah. knows but magic? Will Arnett charges seven. So, you know, that, you know, she got a deal. Yeah. <laughs> My friend Eric Dittleman says, I remember when Michael was the voice of Lego Batman and married to Amy Poehler. <laughs> 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 Is every magician Will Arnett? I guess so. I mean, maybe yeah. she just has that blind spot where like we all look the same to her. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well jimmy i brought you on to tell a story and uh i would wait wait there's another bonus story okay there's another bonus story we have to talk about el vaquero yeah so this was uh gosh like it was like three of us and our wives and our kid and your kids there were 10 of us okay my wife and kids were there because here's i want a i want a 10 person dinner at el vaquero because they said something about, you know, what's your favorite memory with us? And I said, well, your margaritas are responsible for my second child, which mm-hmm. is true. And so they thought that was really fun. And so I won the contest and we got, I got a 10 person, Mark Denke was there. We had a 10 person seat. So we all, like all 10 of us came to El Vaquero that night. Yeah. And my wife and I were there. Um, yep. And uh, uh, David Whitehouse was there and everyone was there. And then there was... I don't remember exactly what happened, but there was a there was a balloon artist. Yeah, you you were doing tricks for my kids, and at yes. the time, I think my oldest was probably seven, and my youngest was three. Yeah, and you, you were doing tricks. And for I was them. their favorite person in the world at that moment. They were blown away, like their yeah. whole like everything was like the world is an amazing <laughs> place now. And in the midst of this moment where you're doing these tricks and making these kids like you know joyous, this balloon animal guy enters the scene and it's i mean i swear to god it turned into a clint eastwood movie like it, everything got silent you heard the, like, you, heard the whistle, <laughs> you know like some brushes going by <laughs> like something got real i was i was about gave, ready to draw he gave you the eyes man he gave you the eyes like you are in, you are invading my turf here buddy and that was his turf and it was his turf and i did restaurant magic for many years and I can remember the feeling of doing restaurant magic and then seeing someone sitting at a table with a deck of cards. So I totally <laughs> remember, you know, that frame of mind that he was in. And I wasn't trying to steal his thunder. I didn't even know the thunder was in the building. He I was just trying to bring my own thunder. But he had a he had a whole thing. He was like, oh, oh, OK, OK. He had that whole like attitude like, oh, I, I see how this is going to go tonight. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah, it could have gotten ugly. It got it could have gotten ugly, but luckily uh, my daughter got a migraine and we had to fail. And oh, that's right, I remember that. Yeah, 
So uh, <laughs> we've got like four good bonus stories tonight already. Yeah. So it's a good thing I'm not drinking tonight because it would have been it would have been ugly. I'm going to full screen you, Jimmy. It is time to to just go for it. OK. So I'm full screen now. I'm yeah. Now. Screen. Now this is this is your show, but I will interrupt much okay. like a balloon man at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> so this is my story I'm telling now. This is yours. OK. So in keeping with the whole like magic paranormal aspect of of. Uh, the world. I wanted to tell a story about the time that my wife and I went to an adult haunted house. Not like adult. That's, I was going to say that. That doesn't sound like the way that. Yeah. That'd be like that'd be like we put the boob in. Never mind. It was going somewhere else. Um, so uh, so we went with my friends, another married couple, David and Pam, and we go to this. It's actually it was the prison in uh, Mansfield where they. They filmed Shawshank. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think my wife has been up there for like Halloween. Okay. It's actually, you don't need to do anything. You just walk inside that building and it's the scariest thing in the world. It's just creepy as hell. Super old. Really old. Just like, I mean, it is unreal. Like you walk in and those those jail cells are so tiny and they're everywhere. And it's just like trying to imagine life in there. Yeah. But they added to it. You know, they had all the ghosts and zombies and they, they turned the lights out all the time. You learn a lot about yourself when you're in a, a haunted house, you know, like you figure out what your kind of um, survival instinct is. Like we lined up, I don't know quite why we lined up this way, but we had David uh, in front and his wife Anne behind him and then my wife behind her. And then I was in the rear. We're all holding on to each other. And we realized when we got scared, uh, David would just take off. He'd, he'd just sprint out uh, away from everyone. Like he'd okay. just gone. That was his move. Pam would just breathe like a rock, like just stay put. And I would grab Lydia and use her as a human shield. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an amazing person. Because that's the type of husband you just are, Jimmy. You no, know, I don't, don't want to brag, but I. <laughs> um, so we were so we were navigating our way through this. And at one point, the lights go out. It's pitch black. And we're all holding on to each other. And you just hear like, blah, 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 blah. And so we all scream and David runs us right into a wall. <laughs> and so we recover and we're getting back together and you hear blah, 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 and David runs us right into a wall. <laughs> and so there's a moment we recover, blah, 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 blah. He runs us into a wall. There's a big pause and you just hear, try the other way. <laughs> oh my God. That's the nicest evil spirit ever like it's basically handing us a gps you know like well, you guys you need, to, you need a little help here. you're holding up the next group <laughs> <laughs> you can hear that entire conversation along with jokes and magic tricks on joke story trick that's at patreon.com slash michael kent and you can join today for just a dollar a month it's the best way to show your support for this podcast our final story for this episode comes from a magician friend of mine, Chipper Lowell, sharing a really great story about growing up in the circus. For those that don't know my background, I grew up on circuses, and uh, uh, that was it. Two weeks after I was born in Massachusetts, I was back on the road with my parents. My dad was a professional clown, having started with Ringling Brothers back in the 50s and the 60s. He also was on uh, Magic Land of Alakazam with Mark Wilson. Uh, as one of the main characters on that show, uh, Christopher Periwinkle, the toy maker. Uh, 
But as we were, as my brother and I were growing up, we were still uh, traveling every season with various shows, arena shows, circuses. And there was one uh, time, a very unusual lifetime. I mean, just to give a backstory, you know, it was very normal for me to have dinner with my folks after din after uh, the shows at midnight. That was normal. It was normal to have breakfast at two in the afternoon. Uh, it was normal to wake up each morning, look out the window and discover a whole new city to, you know, as my playground. And uh, it was, it was fun. It was exciting, but we did, um, we did travel through snow and ice. We have terrible stories of that where we've jackknifed the trailer and all of that good stuff. But one of the best stories was that we had two weeks off during the holidays and the show we were with put the entire cast up in uh, nice apartments in town. We had to get to the town though. And it's now uh, Christmas Eve, early, early morning. It's probably two in the morning on Christmas day. And we're still driving literally hundreds of miles to get to this place, this apartment. My brother and I are in the back seat. My brother at this point, five years younger than me. I think I was probably around 10. He was probably six or so my dad's driving we've got a 30 foot trailer and my mom out of the blue once we get to the town and we're going to check in my mom says wait we need a christmas tree and my dad says what are you talking about let's just get to the damn apartment and my mom said no we need a christmas and she just goes crazy because as a mom she wanted the best norman rockwell image <laughs> right. of christmas especially for us as traveling all over the place. Yeah. So she said, my boys can't wake up tomorrow morning without a Christmas tree. And we're in the back seat and we're like, mom, we're good. We're, we're cool. We don't need one. And she's like, no, damn it. And so I told my dad, Chuck, we need a Christmas tree. And my dad's like, we're not doing it. And my mom looks over to the side, says, get off the freeway. Look down there. There's a Sears. And my dad pulled off, goes in there and like, Bambi, it's two in the morning. They're closed. She goes, I know, but look at the outside yard and look at there behind the big fence. There are all those Christmas trees. They haven't sold them. They're not going to sell them. It's Christmas morning. Let's get a Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, no. And my dad said, what, what, what do you expect? We're, we're not going to steal a Christmas tree. She goes, fine. She gets out of the car. She gets out of the car. <laughs> she gets to the chain link, link fence and being a aerialist, just climbs it up, climbs <laughs> right up onto the top of it. She's now straddling the top of this fence and she's reaching down and grabbing any tree she can. She grabs a tree. Now she's trying to hoist it up. My brother and I are literally in tears going, mom, we don't need a Christmas tree. It's dark. She's pulling it up. Suddenly police cars come in <laughs> and I mean, what? guns out. They don't know who this is. My dad's now going, Guys, that's my wife. That's my wife. And they said, what the hell are you doing? And my mom is up on the straddling on the fence, <laughs> holding the top of a tree. And she just breaks down crying. She goes, you don't understand. We've just traveled like 600 miles. We had to travel another 500 the day before. And it's Christmas morning. And my kids are going to wake up and they're not going to have a Christmas tree. And it's not Christmas without a Christmas tree. And they need to have something normal in their life. <laughs> and the main cop looks at my mom and looks at the other cops and goes, take the damn tree lady. <laughs> so my dad gets up with the help of the cops, 
they steal a Christmas tree up <laughs> over the over the top, put it on our car, and we head to the apartment. My dad's completely red-faced, embarrassed. The cops are laughing like crazy. My mom feels vindicated that she has a Christmas tree. <laughs> and uh, we get to the apartment. And we get up to the second floor uh, hallway where our apartment's going to be. And we're dragging a Christmas tree with us. And there in front of our door is another Christmas tree that management felt we should give everyone a Christmas tree because they're staying with us. So we have two Christmas trees. <laughs> we open the apartment door. There's a third Christmas tree what? that was given to us by a gentleman by the name of Buck Nolan, who was a really tall clown on the show, seven foot six, like I wow. mean, really tall, very nice guy. And he had put a Christmas tree in our apartment to surprise us. So we woke up with three Christmas trees. Wow. It's <laughs> amazing. So, you know, for as normal as we're going to get, it's just completely, it's never normal. It's you know? ne- it never is. And how cool is it? Not only did your mother care about giving you guys like a great Christmas, but also <laughs> the hotel and coworkers yeah. from the circus. So cool. Uh, yeah, we ran out of room. We ran out of room. We had three Christmas trees and, and not enough presents for all of them. And, uh, you know, but my my mom, you know, never apologized for. No, no. Why for would that. you? And, and, you know, and the thing is, you know, you get older and it's like you got this great story. I mean, oh, what a story. Once again, that was Chipper Lowell, really funny magician. I want to thank all of the guests, Representative Mark Pocan, Jimmy Mack, and Chipper Lowell for joining me on that Joke Story Trick show back during the pandemic when I created those episodes every week for a year. You can see all of the episodes in their entirety by joining Patreon. This episode was a special bonus episode as part of a patron drive. Become a tizzler today by going to patreon.com slash Michael Kent and showing your support for The Internet Says It's True and other work that I produce. I thank you greatly and look forward to seeing you on Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>